0: This is Folklife Field Notes, exploring living traditions in Virginia through sound recorded by the Virginia Folklife Program at Virginia Humanities. I'm Chris Boros from WMRA, and once again with Pat Jarrett, the media specialist for the Folklife Program.
1: So I've kind of been wondering lately about folk music as it adapts to modern times. There is something to be said for keeping the old ways, preserving them exactly how they were, but we don't live in a vacuum. So... This has really come to light with the work I've been doing with Susan Gaita and Gina Sobel of the band Minouche.
2: My mother, if I die, I don't want to be a man. If I'm not a man, I'll be a man, I'll be a a man, I'll a man, i
1: They are a Sephardic Jewish band that's kind of a fusion band. Uh, They perform in Ladino, which is Judeo-Espanol, which is an endangered language, according to UNESCO. Gina Sobel is one of the singers and the flute player for Manoush. She apprenticed under Susan Gaeta, who was in the first cohort of Master and Apprentices for the Virginia Folklife program. And she apprenticed under... Florrie Jagoda, who is known as the Keeper of the Flame.
3: Quantus Micalia Spira Lispina Stella Gera Vida o vida.
1: O vida. O vida. She came to the United States after World War II, after surviving the Holocaust. She was in a Sephardic Jewish family near Sarajevo and was able to escape thanks to her music. Her father told her to get on the train without a ticket, with her accordion. He said, take your accordion and don't stop playing. And she played songs the entire train ride and was never asked for a ticket. Everybody was singing along with her. She credited her survival to the music. And until the day she died, she had her student accordion, the one that she played on that train, at her home in Northern Virginia. I mean, she's an amazing human. Her voice was... So beautiful. And she sang in Ladino. And that's how Susan learned these songs is from Flory. Is
0: it safe to say that this music and that accordion saved her life? Definitely. And her father knew that the music was going to get her here.
1: And tragically, her family was mm. wiped out in the Holocaust. It's such such a tragedy. And we were so lucky to know Flory, she passed away just a couple of years ago and she made sure to sing her songs all over the world and we are so lucky for that that she was a friend of the Folklife Program she was honored with a National Heritage Fellowship, which is the highest honor that the United States can bestow upon a traditional artist mm. she was <laughs> Nona Flori. Flory
3: Noches, noches, buenas Noches In
0: that recording we just heard, she was in her 80s, right? That's correct. Dang, that voice is still perfect.
1: Her voice... (laughs) Is eternal. You don't even you know? have words, dude. I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words to describe her voice. It's clear. It is youthful. And what I noticed is at this festival, the Richmond Folk Festival, it was early in the day, Flory, she spoke so softly and she sang so beautifully that everybody in the audience was leaning forward in their chair just to get a closer take on the songs. It was something to behold.
0: You met her personally?
1: I did. Do you have any recollections of meeting her? She was small, physically a small woman, but her presence was gigantic. And she showed her love, and she showed that she cared by how she greeted you and how she connected with you.
3: Saltó la primera edición Gozemos la
1: She had a specific way of teaching. So Susan tells me that she was a strong teacher. Even Gina had one lesson with her, one or two lessons. And she said, wow, this is, you know, your trill is wrong here. You've got to do this here. So she she was a a little bit of a taskmaster, Uh, which is great. I love it. But that kind of gets to the core of kind of what Susan is doing with the music. Because Susan has carried it on faithfully with her group Trio Sephardi. They've been playing in the Northern Virginia area for years and years, and it's uh, Howard Bass and Tina Chauncey are her collaborators in that. Las The other thing that Susan is doing is that she is collaborating with her apprentice Gina on this fusion band, Manoush. And that is like a jazz fusion group. They bring a lot of different influences to the traditional music, and they're not afraid of letting those influences seep in. And here, Gina has something really interesting to say about that.
4: Wherever this music goes, Sephardic music, other kinds of folk music, it picks up the influences of the people who play it and their background and they may not only be isolated with that one kind of music they have other things coming in so for me that's jazz and that's funk and that's american folk music and so that's kind of how we are and for susan all those jazz and all these other influences as well argentinian music tango music and things mm-hmm. like that we sort of feed that in minoosh we say okay these are our voices we're singing this music let's bring our voices to it our own cultural and musical backgrounds And that's just, I think, one of the things that makes it really fun. We're telling stories that are relevant and uh, playing them with with some fun music.
1: I think it's really interesting, this, this concept of bringing your own voice to a very traditional music. And I think they do it beautifully.
0: Well, the only way that traditional music can survive is if it evolves
1: and changes to some degree. To some degree, you're absolutely right. Yeah, And it's funny. <laughs> Gina said, the first time I learned about Flory Jagoda, she was in my textbook. She was studying ethnomusicology, and there's a photograph of Flory, right, in her textbook. And she goes, well, how do I not know about this person? And sought her out.
0: What do you think Flory Jagoda would think about this fusion? You know,
1: Flory was interesting. Susan talks about how Flory's music that she wrote her original tunes. Specifically, there's one called Ocho Candelicas, which is a Hanukkah song. And that is her most famous song. It is sung worldwide people know it all over the place. Susan said that one time she heard a heavy metal version of Ocho Candelicas." She shares a story.
4: I was listening to NPR once and they do a Hanukkah program. And Flori's most famous song is a Hanukkah song called Ocho Candelikas. And it's sung worldwide and it's performed by many groups. It's, yeah, it's very, very famous. So A heavy metal band was singing Ocho Condolicas in this program on the radio, and I called her up and I said, Flory, tune into NPR, you've (laughs) got to hear this. I mean, they were screaming, and it was so far from that original sound. And um, she said to me, I love it, (laughs) because they're singing in Ladino. Any way of continuing this music, I think she appreciated. I mean, I think she would have things to say about it, But I think she would really appreciate that it's this venue to be able to continue her music in such a different way.
0: It's almost like, what did Bill Monroe think when he first heard the new Grass Revival? Was it the same type of thing? Sure, you sure. Know?
1: I mean, and that's the thing. Uh, folk music adapts. I mm-hmm. mean, like it, like Gina said, it's like a sponge, Yeah, right? Yeah. And people will be influenced and people will express.
0: I think, too, if it doesn't adapt, it will be harder to find a new audience. For instance, the band that changed my life was Steel I Span. This is a band that plays old English folk music but with distorted 1970s electric guitar. Mm-hmm. And so if my uncle would have played me Ewan McCall from the 50s singing these songs acapella, I would have rolled my eyes. But because I was a 17-year-old kid who loved Alice Cooper, <laughs> when I heard this music with a rock mentality, yeah. I was hooked. Ah. And so thank the Lord that <laughs> someone took this old traditional music and modernized it to a degree I never would have found
1: it. And and that's an interesting concept. It's like you know, do, that got you into old English folk tunes, mm-hmm. yeah, big time. Let's talk about that for a minute nice. because Trio SFRD played with a group called the Elias Ledino Ensemble. <laughs> And Daniel Elias leads that ensemble. We've been in touch with Zach Yuka, and they are involved in this project to preserve the Sephardic Jewish music of Bitola, an area of Macedonia. At the time, it was known as Monastir. Mm -hmm. Now, the music from there is very specific, and it just so happened that Daniel came across some real to real tapes of his grandmother who came from there singing these songs as she heard them in Monastir.
3: Mm.
1: And They are working on a project to preserve this music. The project is called Where Our Roots Meet. And before the concert, I talked with Zach about preserving this music as it was performed and why that was important.
5: I'm sitting there wondering, what was this place? Who are these people that, you know, I come from? That was kind of the starting impetus, I guess. And then as as I go further, into my research and into the work you know there are a lot of communities who even after the holocaust certain number of people survived and with monastir 98 percent of the monastery were killed in the holocaust and so really the people who were left were the people who had left before and those communities by and large in order to survive just as sephardic jews and sephardic communities had to combine with other communities So then you kind of get this slow watering down and distancing from the roots of it all, which is why my project is called Where Our Roots Meet.
1: In order to survive, they had to combine the musics? It wasn't quite that. It's more that in combining with other Sephardic Jews, Mm -hmm. they got further away from their regionality. I see. And because 98% of them were wiped out, Mm. without proper preservation and proper research, the kind of music that is home could easily just be forgotten. Forever. Right. And almost was. Yeah. But for them finding this recording... (sighs) of Daniel's grandmother Shorty, Shorty Elias.
0: On a real to reel tape, too.
1: And and it was it was digitized <laughs> yeah. and preserved. It's that kind of digitization and preservation that's so important because those could be lost. And a lot of these tapes, you can get one last play out of them. Yep. And they will disintegrate while they are recorded. The the media doesn't hold up forever. We have to make sure that these are looked after, that these recordings are saved from going away.
0: So how did they find this old reel-to-reel tape?
1: They found these tapes in a basement. And here, I'll, I'll, let me let me share this.
5: After Joe Elias passed away, he left a basement just full of stuff. Instruments, a lot of junk, but among the things were stacks and stacks of reel-to-reel recordings that he'd made over the years. And, you know, we didn't really know what was on them. So we started playing them, and a lot of them are, you know, just kind of random recordings of people he knew, family events, things like that. And then on one of these reels, we heard this woman just singing beautifully, singing these songs in Ladino. And Danny goes, oh my God, that's my grandma. De
3: mi es la para...
5: She's singing, you know, very clearly, like, these amazing songs. And so we digitized the reel, did some audio and engineering. You know, they're 60 years old, so we had to really doctor them up and get them. But it it worked. They sound quite nice now eventually arrived at the idea that it might be nice to uh, remaster those recordings and then go through and find the recordings that the Elias Ladino Ensemble, starting with Joe in the 70s, played, like, which songs were from Monastir, which songs came from Shorty Elias, and then make a CD of that too, and then, you know, do a CD of the third generation with Danny playing those songs. And since then, it's kind of grown into, well, let's try and find out all the songs that we can prove came from Monastir, and make a songbook, and, you know, with transcriptions and historical intro so people can read about the community, read about the history, read about the songs, read about the effect and the prominence of music in the life of the Monasterly Jews.
1: found interesting about this chris is that we have two sides of the coin here we have the argument for preserving without changing and then we have the argument for changing and adapting all within this very specific vein of folk music in virginia and i just think it's a beautiful thing
0: What do you think? Should we mess with this music and, and make it new again or or not?
1: I think it's both. Yeah, I think so too. Like you said, you found Steel Eyespan mm-hmm. and that got you into these old English folk songs. Yeah, I can tell you from my experience, I listened to Paul Simon's Graceland as a kid and that got me. And then the next Paul Simon album I listened to, I said, well, where'd the band go? I love that band. And I didn't know what I was listening to until I found out about life, music and people like Felicudi. So, hearing that accessible top layer allowed me to dive deep. And now I'm just all about these polyrhythmic 70s psychedelic, you know, artists <laughs> yeah. that are, you know, bands like the Green Arrows Band that are so jangly you can't find it. It's like they're not on any streaming service. I think I've never even heard of that. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> the Green Arrows Band, look them up. I will. Um, but yeah, so I think it's a yes and. I think yeah. th- this is. These are two elements of folk music that need to be supported.
2: Quiero conti ir mi amore Una vez mas a Marian Quiero conti ir mi amore Una vez mas a Marian Spalato di noche Sul
4: mar. Penso de ti. Flori's mission for herself in her life was to continue it, and it's, I think it's to honor her family and to just continue an incredible musical tradition that she heard from her grandmother, her Nona, and her great-grandmother. To continue it is is really important, to keep it alive, because so much of the culture was decimated. My mission as a, a master artist with Virginia Humanities, my mission with this music is to tell her story.
1: And if people are interested in this work, they can go to virginiafolklife.org, And if they'd like to help us, they can make a donation to the Flory Jagoda Sephardic Music Fund. We actually have a fund for research and scholarship to continue this work.
4: The idea of working with Gina to keep it alive, to continue it, to keep it relevant, and to keep a younger generation interested in, in just learning about it and hearing about it, and so we can do a variety of things, including educate people about the story. I think what's interesting about our team is that we can show something really authentic, being that I was just, I'm just one step away from Flory and I spent so many years working with her. That's even a bit of authenticity. And then to have it develop and, and kind of evolve with what Jana brings to it. We're in a unique place to do this and the idea of the continuation which is the most important thing about this music for me and for Flory was I think we have an opportunity to do that.